to Getting to Show You, a podcast where my friend Balt and I take turns introducing each other and you, the listener, to media that we love. I'm Lou, and this season I have the pleasure of getting to show you DuckTales 2017. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just, just a reminder that this is episode two of a full season, so if you haven't heard us talk about DuckTales yet, go back to the first episode to hear that. This time we do episodes 7 to 12 of season 1, right? Exactly. Because there was a bit of a debate there uh, where yeah. we should put like the <laughs> stopping points. We can't always do six episodes. Some one At least once I think we have to do seven. Yeah, and I think it's going to be next time. Okay, yeah. I'm very excited because I already saw the title of the next episode, episode 13, but uh, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there, yeah. I mean, should we dive immediately right in? Yeah, Do we have anything let's, like... let's just go. Because <laughs> we, we just talked about the other episode, so I think this yeah. is... Let's just go right into it. So episode seven, The House of the Lucky Gander. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, feelings? First of all, I was very thrilled to be introduced to a new addition to the family. I don't think I knew this guy before. Oh, like really? I, I don't remember seeing oh, wow. him yeah, I feel like he's such an iconic DuckTales character just from, you know, even like the old, old comics, mm-hmm. like the Barks comics. But it's, I don't know, it's always so interesting to see this, the, the perspective of someone who's like mm-hmm. really unfamiliar with it. Yeah, I guess he's probably in some of the comics that I read, but I really didn't remember. And I'm, I don't even know what like his German name is i didn't look it up sorry <laughs> no worries um, i don't look up enough like i keep thinking i should research more about ducktales history mm-hmm. so i can tell you more about it because you ask really smart questions <laughs> and i'm just like i should have probably researched that i feel a little well yeah you know i only researched ducktales 2017 with the little knowledge i've retained from the old show and that is not enough <laughs> but the thing is that the whole like Disney universe is so expansive and like True. Th- there's probably a lot of the information out there that I'm like wondering about but that doesn't mean that it's manageable for one person mm. to acquire like to <laughs> yeah to- yeah, accumulate all that knowledge. Yeah, but but Gladstone is a very iconic old DuckTales character and you know, he's one of those characters that they know they have to introduce like all of them and they have mm-hmm. to figure out like how do we make them updated mm-hmm. how do we make them likable how do we stick to their to what people know but you know create a new character and i really like because uh, for example with uh, gladstone frank and gonas has talked about how the casting is always the key sort of mm-hmm. so gladstone is voiced by paul of Tompkins in this and mm-hmm. he's you know he said that he's perfect for this balance of this guy is kind of a dick, but like mm-hmm. you really enjoy him and you like him. Yeah, yes, I can see that. It's um, it's fun because I really enjoyed the dynamic uh, between Donald and him uh, because I was waiting for more like uh, Donald yeah. content. I, I guess. Know you'd be happy. <laughs> this is the first. Uh, this was the most lines Donald has had to this point mm-hmm. in the show. Yeah. And it's very, like, uh, the the dynamic is fun and also how the triplets um, interact mm. with that dynamic. And, uh, yeah, I, I just really like the whole 
the, the family vibes of that episode. I have to say, though, I'm not a big fan of casino episodes. Because I really, I don't know, the whole gambling and the, the kind of addiction that comes with it mm. makes me a little uncomfortable, especially if it's in, like, children's media. And, of course, they don't portray it in, like, a positive way. Yeah. Uh, like, of course, it is a trap, and they make it really clear that it is a trap. Um, uh, but still, yeah, I, yeah, I don't I like yeah. a setting like that. It's uh, yeah. But like the the thing that you said last time that uh, they always try to find a twist um, mm. in you know a story that's been told before, I really could see that um, like this time how they went like oh yeah this is kind of a cursed casino um, but it's not a casino at all it's yeah. all it's a trap. <laughs> all in the mind of this uh, I don't know demon I guess. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and th that made me really happy. Liu Hai is voiced by B.D. Wong, who yeah. I adore. And this is, I think, a very unusual role for him. He mm -hmm. sounds very... He's an incredible voice actor that I think a lot of people haven't made much use of because he's usually mm -hmm. typecast even when he does voice acting. And this is a very different role than he usually plays. Mm -hmm. It made me so happy to hear that. He is incredible. I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah, that was pretty good. I um I also had to um just pause a second and look. Oh, I know this voice. Who's this like? Who's yeah. this person voicing this character? Um and I, yeah, that made me very happy. <laughs> was, I mean, the yeah, that was great. The casting is always worth looking mm -hmm. into. They are just absolute. I don't know. I've never seen a show that is so well cast across the mm -hmm. board. Yeah, I I have some thoughts about that later, but later yeah <laughs> but yeah one thing um that really stood out to me um in that episode was like i said how the the kids interacted with mm. um gladstone and donald and um i really like even in the beginning like when when they're all on their way there <laughs> yeah. and and everybody's like oh he's our oh. coolest uncle and then i don't i'm not sure which one uh goes oh our coolest uncle who isn't like a, a quadrillionaire or something yeah. <laughs> and then for a second donald gets really excited until he realizes oh they're still not talking about him yeah and, and then i think uh, huey goes well donald is kind of cool yeah. it's so sweet <laughs> it really shows their characters off so yeah. well they're yeah. i mean i think it's just so sweet because they are just you know a family and to be yeah. fair donald is much more like frega says this time and time and again donald is their dad like he's yeah. not of course they call him uncle donald because mm -hmm. literally he is their uncle but that i think he also said it about this episode it was so important to them to give donald like the depth and the story that he deserves mm -hmm. and to show him as a father and they did so well like he mm -hmm. cares so much about these kids and he loves them and he wants them to be happy and you know it's yeah. so sweet and they of course care about him like in yeah. the end how louis goes well you you never stopped once in your life even when yeah. it was complete bullshit so why would you <laughs> also that it's louis who was the one who like only talked about their mm -hmm. cool uncle gladstone their cool uncle yeah. scrooge and never their cool uncle donald and then it was mm -hmm. louis in the end who's like how can you trade donald like how can you just leave him in there like wh why would you oh do God, this yeah. louis gets so many amazing moments in this mm -hmm. show that show like how deep this character how deep of a well he actually is mm -hmm. given that he always presents himself as this like 
I don't I don't care. I don't care. I only yeah. care about money guy. Mm-hmm. I love Louis. You know, this is gonna sound wild, I think, but you know, um who he reminds me of? <laughs> <laughs> Jess from Gilmore Girl. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. Well, um, <laughs> I'm not saying it's going on the list, but I really think <laughs> you would like Jess. Like, you would have a good time with him. He's right. such a, like, he's one of my favorite characters of all time. <laughs> but yes, um, he's really, like, you know, playing it cool this whole time and really, like, pretending he doesn't care. But he cares so much. <laughs> Deep down in his heart, he cares a mm, lot. And that. I love that. So I think there are a lot of, like nice little things in this episode Mm -hmm. especially you know with every episode they get better and better at like showing off the kids different characters in this episode as well like you really Mm -hmm. really see where they like completely move in different directions Mm -hmm. obviously i really loved huey's little adventure watching aquarium (laughs) yeah that was such a mood because i am also like this like Oh, I don't know. Like the other day I was at an event that had like an LED light show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'll check it out while I'm already here. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there absolutely transfixed. Yeah. Like, I felt exactly like Huey in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really I, loved that. So, yeah, that was, a, that was very sweet. I don't know. It's it just, you know, all of them being kind of... Um, lured into different directions and mm-hmm. like different things capture them. And this whole, like, water acrobatics show, you wouldn't have expected that Huey is the one who goes nuts over it. But he does, and it's so sweet. Like, it's I wonderful. wouldn't have expected it, I'd, I'd say. Because maybe you did. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. know. I think it's also, like, such an, like, autistic-coded thing to, like, these sort of things like water running and patterns mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because it's obviously, like, very, like choreographed very specifically so it would be mm-hmm. something that Huey likes because you could see like the attention of detail it requires mm-hmm. which is exactly the kind of thing that Huey is into the attention to detail at rules yeah. and at doing things exactly right yeah. it's really it's a, a nice little touch they threw in there yeah yes but still like even with all like we've talked a bit about the autistic coding uh, by now but I still admire so much how so far, every time they go in a direction that absolutely makes sense to me, like that I know from other autistic or like neurodivergent people, but it's never the stereotypical mm-hmm. one that you get from other shows or movies. Like you could completely have gone into the direction of, oh yeah, he's really into the whole numbers games and stuff and like trying to figure out a perfect way to hack the system of a casino. Mm. They didn't do that, and I'm so, so glad. Yeah. And they gave him this wonderful water show instead. I'm really very, very happy. Very soothing experience, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. And there's a Ferris Bueller reference. Did you catch it? Did I you catch it? That. Oh, no, it I made me so happy the first time I saw it. Because I knew, like, this show is for me, baby. Okay. What it was, was when it? they arrive in Gladstone's hotel room. They run to the window that's, like, at an angle. And, like, if you lean against <gasps> yeah! it with your forehead, it's yes. just like they do in Ferris Bueller. Oh, yeah. They do that there. Oh, it's so sweet. It's so I cute. I didn't catch that. Yeah, but now that you say it, of course. Of course. Anyone I... who hasn't seen Ferris Bueller, stay off pause and do it. <laughs> Go do it. <laughs> Best movie. Yeah. 
I would love love to talk about that movie on this podcast, but unfortunately, unfortunately. I've already seen it. <laughs> yeah, we've both seen it, both love it, and we also get a first glance into what is going to become a huge running gag in this show, which is Launchpad's Axis. Yeah. That was the first time in the show that they, like, this is where it starts. And it's like wild that I now have to pay attention to these things. Because for me, this is just part of the show. And I'm like, yeah, this is the first time you see that. You, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it does, you, you have to be like, okay, so what was that now? Is this, mm-hmm. who, who's this mysterious ex-girlfriend and wh- wh- what is happening here? Yeah. I thought that was so well done because in the beginning when he goes away and was like, oh yeah, I have to take care of this thing. I was fully expecting to, you know, after two thirds of the episode to have some weird like uh, slash cut to whatever wild shit uh, he's up to right now. But they didn't do that. And by the end of it, I had forgotten that he went off to do something else. And then he comes with this panda on his back and this whole uh, like armor. Yeah. it's really good. Yeah, f- favorite moments of the episode, I really think, was when Huey went, oh, Uncle Donald is kind of cool. Yeah, it's so <laughs> it's, sweet. Yeah. It's so sweet. I think my favorite line delivery in this episode was a Scrooge's, oh, good, street magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, imagine you're like this all-powerful demon being or whatever and you're trying to lure these people to stay in your hotel and like get trapped there forever mm-hmm. and this guy's like oh, street magic mm-hmm. <laughs> and like ushers the children away yeah <laughs> like this is just some mm-hmm. creepy guy on the street and that like powerful <laughs> enemy <laughs> yeah also I one other joke I loved in this episode was when when they are at the magic buffet or whatever, and Webby goes, "Oh, there's a there's a chocolate fountain. Yeah. Can I dip anything in yeah, there?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote then, that down too. Yeah, at first she goes for strawberry, where, where it was like, "Yeah, okay, sure. that's the first thing." But of course, if she has never experienced a chocolate fountain <laughs> before, strawberries would be the first thing that you think of. And then she escalates it completely immediately and goes like, "My hand." Your hands. I also love Beanie Wong here. The way he responds to these is the delivery of these lines. Y- yes, sure. It's so funny. Yeah, yes. And then how she just goes to the chocolate fountain and just pushes like her whole head yeah, into God, I love Webby. Like it's uh, they have yeah. such great ideas to show her like uh, how how isolated she was and that everything is new and cool to her. It's so funny how they do it. <laughs> yeah. And I also liked in this episode the sort of cold outro. Like it's not a cold open, it's a cold closer <laughs> where they just stand there and like all right, we can go home now. <laughs> like, uh-huh. It's such a funny joke. Like, it's so unusual for <laughs> cartoons to do that. It really cracked me up so much. Because mm-hmm. you already forgot about the Golden Cricket, obviously, like by the yeah. end of the episode. And I'm like, oh, right, that's where they went there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that they integrated it anyway. And it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll have to catch it in like 50 years. because. <laughs> and also okay. that it's boring. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a cricket. The, the cricket noises really, joke. really sold it. <laughs> God, it's such a funny joke. Having yeah. a cold cold ending should be 
but then again it shouldn't be overused like it was a perfect use here yeah no i thought i thought you meant the uh the yacht and that oh. woman who pulls up with it and goes like oh um i need to sell this to you for 20 dollars yeah. for tax purposes i mean a gladstone is like such an interest i mean he obviously comes back a couple of times uh he's such an interesting character because he has to like exist by certain rules which is he's the luckiest person mm-hmm. in the world, but he cannot work for his luck. Like if he tries to get something, he this isn't how it works. Like he can't mm-hmm. work for the things he gets. They just yeah. have to happen to him. And okay, apparently so. that is like for the writers. Like they, I think Fergagona said there was one writer who was like really, really good at following these rules and pointing out where they mm-hmm. don't work. And like you can see in this episode how convoluted it gets to explain mm-hmm. how like he is the luckiest person and he doesn't work for it like he doesn't try to win he just does but then he loses mm-hmm. but then that's actually the thing that should have happened like it's yeah. wild like mm-hmm. they just i can imagine that writing that is like ugh, that takes a bit i think that's all that i have for this one okay shall we move on to yeah ooh, episode one eight the infernal internship of mark beaks so here, so, here yeah. we get another, uh, obviously another new DuckTales character introduced, mm-hmm. a new villain, mm-hmm. and it's just, it, it's, <laughs> I can't believe they went there, sort of my general impression here, because uh, Frank Gona said they kind of wanted every DuckTales period to have their own, like, billionaire opposite of Scrooge. Mm-hmm. And so they they figured they'd have to update it to have like a new one that fits our time. And they just created the most pointed political commentary imaginable yeah, with a absolutely. single character. And every like the thing about Mark Beeks is I fucking hate that dude so much. Yeah. Like I, I hate because he is so exactly like the people he's based on. Mm-hmm. And the references are not thinly veiled at no, all. They initially all. wanted to call him Mark Zuckerberg, but legally yeah. they weren't allowed to do that. And oddly, Mark Beek sounds more like an Elon Musk reference to me, and I don't know why, and that fits even better. Mm-hmm. But like all of these people are like the basis for this character, and yeah. it is creepy how well they do it. Even the, it, the way they introduce introduced Tada at first yeah. they make it sound like Twitter yeah. like I don't know how they do yeah. it but they do it so well <laughs> it's just it's truly unsettling because in part like remember this aired in 2017 things looked very different in 2017 yeah. even though they were very similar a lot of the things that DuckTales does with like parodying Elon Musk and all these people it's like almost predicting the insanity mm-hmm. they are up to in the coming years and like now our now mm-hmm. it's just it i've genuinely this character is so unsettlingly well done every single time he's on screen i'm like oh my god this mm-hmm. fucking guy he really managed yeah. to capture exactly everything you would hate about these mm-hmm. fucking billionaire assholes and the thing is he's a super enjoyable character like yeah. as a character in ducktales he's so well written he is funny mm-hmm. he is like just so fun to watch and listen mm-hmm. to but like at the same time your brain is like i want him dead <laughs> yeah yeah i he i i love i love him i love the the performance of the voice actor yeah i do have to admit i gave myself a, uh my i gave myself a spoiler there because <laughs> i looked up the 
actor oh. who voices this character, and I saw he's gonna like come back. I because at that point when I looked it oh. up, I was like, oh, Mark Beats is probably just you know a, gonna be a one-off guy. But oh no, I, I was going to tell you anyway yeah. that he is going to come back. Okay. Like this wasn't, I wasn't gonna keep that a secret from you because, uh-huh. I, I mean, sure like I said, they wanted or... like a villain for every like era that like is an opposite to Scrooge mm-hmm. and this is sort of the modern day and he comes back regularly but like his absolute incompetence and just uselessness and everything is just man yeah. this character gets some I mean I can't wait for you to watch the rest but also mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Christ okay every time he's cannot on screen wait. it's just they, they did too but they did too well like they made him too, <laughs> too real that's what I was talking about in episode one when I said like the modern technology is gonna become like almost mm-hmm. uncomfortably real mm-hmm. it's, it's I was talking specifically about Mark Beeks and the way he uses social media yeah <laughs> it's I like taken that. straight from Elon Musk's Twitter like they didn't even uh-huh. have to edit anything like it makes me so uncomfortable <laughs> Yeah, they were too good at that. But the, the episode is excellent because mm-hmm. we see a character dynamic in Huey and Dewey that we haven't seen much of yet. And mm-hmm. Frank O'Gon has called it like they're perfect foils for each other because mm-hmm. Huey is this type A, like a very rule stickling guy mm-hmm. and Dewey is just sort of like, it'll work out <laughs> somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And I have to say, it pained me in my heart mm-hmm. that Huey gets his, like, I guess first big, moment um in the show because before when we saw um like the triplets separated uh, it was more about um dewey or louis and this is the first time that we see him kind of you know highlighted in that way and singled out and he is a tech billionaire fanboy and it hurt my heart yeah same <laughs> i was like very worried about that but i really yeah. liked that I think Mark Beeks is like the only character who is not supposed to be liked in the sense of his character. Like as as a character, as a fictional character, he is supposed to be liked because he's a fun villain. But like mm-hmm. he he's not supposed to be like redeemably liked. Like for example, yeah, Glomgold yes. is just really fun, and you like you don't really mind that he's mm-hmm. a villain because he's so silly and like goofy yeah. about it. But Mark Beeks is supposed to be like. I mean, if he died in the show, I would be happy about it. Like, that's kind of the vibe you're supposed to have yeah. for him. Like, I fucking hate that guy. If he doesn't come back, that's fine. Like, I don't want to see him again. Like, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want your characters, your favorite characters, exposed to him for mm-hmm. more than necessary. Yeah. And um, they did really well by establishing that immediately. Like, at the uh-huh. end, even Huey, who, like, idolized him as, like, Oh, the successful self-made billionaire mm-hmm. is like, oh, oh no, this guy sucks. Yeah, <laughs> wow. And I, I I really wasn't worried too much because I'm like I was pretty sure they're gonna learn yeah. their lesson and like I I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised that they're learning it so quickly. Like I was expecting it to take longer, but yeah, right right away this guy sucks so much that yeah. he cannot shut up about how much he sucks, <laughs> and yeah. then they find out about how this whole Tada thing is complete bullshit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is the whole point. Of, I mean, the episode, it introduces us to this character and tells us, you're not supposed to root for this guy, like mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form, ever. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it wasn't only like, he's funny. Yeah. He's horrible. Yeah. But he also 
gave me this moment that I like absolutely crushed my soul. I think that was the like the first time I really, really got hit where it hurts. Um, you know when when they're on this roof and Louis and no not Louis. I'm sorry. Dewey goes to uh Huey like, oh guys like him and guys like me. We have to put on a good show and fake it because guys like you are so good at making it. I I honestly had tears in oh my God. eyes immediately. That yeah. hit me so hard that yeah. Dewey is I also a very deep well. Yeah, okay. they're all very deep wells considering uh-huh. that they're like ten. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, it Dewey is like... Dewey hit me in my personal feelings the most, as in like. Oh, I-, I relate to this. Um, mm. But I mean, they all have elements of like, oh, I relate to this. But mm. Dewey just happened to get most elements out of all the triplets for me. Yeah. But yeah, moments like these are like, uh, ouch. Mm. And this whole really faking it till you make it. I do. I, I immediately thought, you know, when-, when he goes, yeah, faked it, made it. I was like, <laughs> I've got, I'm going to incorporate that yeah. into my repertoire because i'm gonna use that so yeah. much and i i need that sentence yeah it's yeah. like sort of a, a reverse imposter syndrome like you do it on mm-hmm. purpose you pretend on purpose and like mm-hmm. it, it's i don't know dewey is a very interesting character to decide yeah. and like i said I, th- I really feel like season one gives him the most platform which is sort mm-hmm. of why he ended up being the most relatable i think to me mm-hmm. but yeah everyone has a triplet i think in the end it's really fun because usually, like, my guy that I relate to the most is, like, the autistic-coded guy. Same. But they're all autistic yeah. <laughs> In their own funky little ways, yeah. I mean, Dewey yeah. is a lot more leaning on the ADHD side, and, like, this episode yeah. especially showcased sort of in an autism versus ADHD dilemma. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. But, yeah, they all have... I mean, they're... Not, like, I, like I told you right, uh, right away, mm-hmm. none of these characters are neurotypical. Yeah, it's not not a kind of show. That makes me happy. Like the roller coaster that this episode yeah. was, it it truly had it all. Like <laughs> I don't know the the comedy, the oh no, this is getting too real, yeah. and then also this oh no, this is getting too real. Yeah. I'm crying. <laughs> but then you know, next moment, um, the, when Dewey takes the phone and goes like, my face looks like a butt send. <laughs> so funny, like it's so silly. I mean, yeah, it's still a silly show. And that's really, like, the, the fact that that hurt Mark Beeks so much. Like, it hurt him more than falling off a rooftop. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a, what a guy. Uh, Great. Honestly, one of... I, I What I think is so I- I- remarkable about the show is that all the characters they reinvented new mm-hmm. are incredibly well done. Like, mm-hmm. they're just... they're they, I don't know, they're just incredibly good at their job because for the most other characters they had like a baseline for you know what people know like gyro is the inventor scrooge is the rich billionaire blah 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 like they had something to work with but with these new characters they had to find a way to i mean they had to have a gap in the first place that they felt needed to be filled and then had to come up with something that fits ducktales and they did well they did really well mark beaks fit so smoothly into this Mm -hmm. world yeah and it's interesting because in the first episode and even in the first few episodes, I was still kind of surprised. Like there was a disconnect in my brain between this world and suddenly there's smartphones and YouTube ads in there. Um, 
but you know now already episode eight i'm at a point where it's completely natural yeah of course there's a tech billionaire who invents an app that doesn't really exist of course yeah. that's part of this universe so yeah uh my favorite line was uh when huey has his what i think is sort of supposed to be kind of like a meltdown um yeah and dewey says oh no huey's broken yeah <laughs> he's so genuine about it oh no. yeah <laughs> yeah and then he becomes the duke of brokenness or something <laughs> yeah it's um it oddly I, I mean not to like spoil a lot of stuff for you but it oddly actually is part of an arc for huey oh. which i initially didn't realize and only on this rewatch like really occurred to me that this sort of as as an idea kind of comes mm. back but you'll see but yeah okay. i didn't initially it didn't immediately occur to me but yeah hmm. this isn't like a standalone moment one one last thing that i wrote down as a note is like i love how like this this whole trope of characters working together by playing to their strengths mm. you know how how um Huey sends Dewey out there and goes like just just be Dewey and mm-hmm. he can rely on that working because he knows what Dewey's gonna do um, or not what he's gonna do because no like he's, he's, he's a wild card Dewey. but yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be Dewey and that that's what works and uh, Huey knows he can rely on that and that's pretty good that yeah. was a good moment alright yeah. Then moving on to episode one nine, the living dummies of Tothra. Oh God, yeah. You liked that episode. You, you I couldn't refrain so from much. texting me when you watched that episode, yeah. and I and that made me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to keep it together, but like I loved the the previous um, episode. I could not stop thinking about this one. I loved everything about it yeah. so much. It's a masterpiece that one. Yeah, and I think part of it is. For example, like at the beginning, um, with the outfits and like this uh, setting, it's a reference to the Ducktales movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm sure I wrote the t- yeah, the Treasure of the Lost Lamp is the original title. Okay, so and you're saying there's more of this that I can watch? <laughs> kinda. I mean, it's the old Ducktales. Remember okay. that it's not yeah. these characters, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. And also, like the concept of mummy was always like in the writer's room sort of they they had this thing Frank Agonos explained where for character sheets they always had one part that was like how would this person defeat a mummy so I think that is why this episode works so well because they already had so like concise ideas Mm -hmm. just before even writing the episode that that just Mm -hmm. kind of worked out so well because everyone like everyone in this episode gets to play to their strength like they defeat the mummy because everyone does what they do best what they're yeah. best at even launchpad even launchpad like everyone does what they do best and that's why they win in the end and i think that's why this episode is so good because that was sort of always there for the writers from the moment they like came up with the characters how would they defeat a mummy what will a mummy mm. episode ha- what will it do what will happen yeah yes <laughs> You said this also when you texted me, but I couldn't write down my favorite sentence for this episode because every single line is the best line in this episode. Like I started writing them yeah. down and I had to stop after like three because I realized, oh, they're all the best delivered and funniest lines in this episode. Yeah. I can't, I have to stop writing. Otherwise, yeah. it's just I'm writing this entire script down. 
Exactly, exactly. I, I just counted. I have six different quotes that are my favorite quotes. <laughs> and that's only because I stopped yeah. writing them down at some point because I was like, no. <laughs> I, just the, one of the, these this truly is, I think, the episode that is packed the most with incredible one-liners for yeah. some reason i don't know why like all episodes are funny but for some reason in this one there is no like filler dialogue or anything it's just funny yeah. lines. it's incredibly well written like from the the plot itself to every single line in it it's so good yeah <laughs> i'm i'm gonna be obsessed with this episode in particular i think for a very long time <laughs> understandably <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it, it already starts out with a banger. It starts out with this uh, launchpad quote of, "Hey, if those mum, if those are mummies, I hate to see the daddies. Am I right?" Yeah, and he says it twice because he thinks it's so funny as well, <laughs> and I love that because I do that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's incredibly good. It's mm-hmm. every every line is good, and like the bit where like. Louis like opens the jar and realizes there's organs in there. Like yeah. the animation there is so excellent. Yeah. Like, there's not even really lines or anything there, but the way they animated this movement alone is like everything yeah. in this episode is perfect and funny. Yeah, it was very cinematic as well because it dropped like it, he he drops it, it falls to the floor, and of course <laughs> Webby immediately wants to know what's in there, and she, like she and excitedly like, goes, "Oh, kidneys!" Like when the when the guard comes in and and Louis like, "We brought that kidney from home, I swear." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so well done because of course like Everything it's a kids show, you don't want to show the extremely gross organs in, <laughs> but uh, you get in a jar, yeah. but you get the sense of how gross it is just by the way they frame it. And also, like every line is, I like I I want to just keep repeating lines. They're all so good, yeah. but like, we we have to stop because otherwise we're just doing <laughs> the episode. But yeah, the, like like I said, the whole concept of it is already so great that you have this thriving community like the society living under in an underground pyramid (laughs) it's it's so cool this is like this is star trek levels or like i don't know weird old sci-fi levels of uh what what people could come up with for a for a for an episode i love that because i think there's a there's a line there that they're trying to balance and i think they do it well with like okay so there's this different society this different culture and strangers come in um to i don't know save them from their ancient god ruler yeah they were aware of how that could go wrong i think and i think that that's why they balance it so well because they make it silly and they go with burritos as the thing (laughs) that you know it pulls them out of their yeah. uh, subservience and makes them want to rebel against this really fucked up situation that they find themselves in. Yeah. And like, I also like that it's like another person. Like, it's not like they're disrespecting their beliefs as in like, this is very real to like, and, and they're just saying this isn't real. It's like, mm-hmm. it really is a guy who pretended to be their god. Like, mm-hmm. it was already, like, deeply disrespected to begin with. Like, somebody yeah. lied to them, and th- that's what they were led to believe. I, I really like that touch, because usually it's like, oh, these these savages need to be saved from their weird religion. 
but it's like their religion was true their god was very much a real god who was very powerful but yeah. like we see but like not in the way that they were told because what they were told was a lie to keep them like serving this one guy who yeah like kept the, pretending to be the god mm-hmm. it was a very interesting touch that's very unusual yeah yes the the whole religion that's behind it like i forgot her name but this uh, mm-hmm. woman who's basically their leader how she goes oh but what about his laser eyes but what about the bugs who feed him information like his little it's information real, yeah. <laughs> and it turns out to be all real like she isn't ridiculous for it it's actually yeah. real yeah i really it's like it's just that. not real in that version that this one guy created who exactly. controls him <laughs> and that was really where this episode for me personally went from amazing to absolutely fucking incredible yeah. and it turns out that this is just, I wrote down, like, a Wizard of Oz situation. Mm. This one guy controlling this huge machinery um, to make it seem like he's all-powerful. And he's just a guy. He's just a guy. And also, um, something Frank Agronos has said that they, like, that was a rule for them. If they ever go to, like, a place that's, like, an equivalent in our world, like, this is an Egypt I don't. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's, sometimes the places are actually called what they're called in real mm-hmm. life for us but sometimes they come up with like funny puns but like mm-hmm. this is Egypt so they um, whenever they do that whenever they go to different places they try to cast people mm-hmm. uh, for the voices that are from those countries from those places mm-hmm. and they did it here too like the, the guy that uh, pretends to be the god was voiced by um, this um sort of Egyptian comedian and talk show host Mm -hmm. uh, that they cast who didn't even like do voice work or anything but Mm -hmm. they just felt like he has the perfect energy and you know Mm -hmm. he's you know in Egypt apparently a very popular uh, television figure that's cool yeah I noticed that too like when I read the names for who voiced the characters in the episode and I really appreciated that especially I mean that is a huge problem in voice like acting in general Mm -hmm. that uh, often minorities are overlooked simply because well anyone can voice that Um, Mm -hmm. and you know that sort of always keeps minorities out of the business because Mm -hmm. well if white people can voice anyone if straight and cis people can voice anyone why would we bother casting anyone else like what's the point and this show Mm -hmm. is like one of I mean it it gets better and better and better these days but like mm-hmm. this is one of the shows that like really said no we're gonna make this a rule we're gonna stick to it everyone gets equal opportunity mm-hmm. here and people get to voice their own sort of characters their own backgrounds yeah that's interesting because I'm not sure about the the timeline here but the first time I really got aware of um like this being a conversation now mm-hmm. was when Moana came out and oh, I yeah. think that was 2016 yeah that right? was around the same time yeah so yeah that makes sense that when they relaunched DuckTales that they yeah. were aware of this and tried to do it better and yeah I'm glad that they are really like that they really made an effort yeah also now that I look at my notes it really makes sense that they apparently have this whole like as part of their character concepts how do these people get out of like uh, how do they fight a mummy because I really think a lot of the stuff that they said there um, or did in this episode was really such a 
um, how do you say it? Like, like, yeah, really a way to to capture the essence of their characters. Yeah, exactly. Like, like when Louis said, as as long as you can talk, you can talk your way yeah. out. That's such a Louis way to approach these yeah. things, and that's really such a core concept yeah. of his character. Or like when Webby went. Uh, yeah, if I'm if I'm gonna get sacrificed, <laughs> at least I'll do it right. Yeah, and yeah. I really like Dewey, who, I mean, he helped in a way, I think, I guess, but mostly he just recreated the thriller video, which I respect. Yeah. I would do the same that if I had a bunch so of funny. really cool mummies. I think I would also recreate the, because learning choreographies and stuff is like also such a thing. I did at, at exactly his age, mm-hmm. and so this is. Especially the thriller. If you haven't, if you're listening, you haven't seen the th- thriller music video, Michael Jackson. Absolutely, mm. pause. Go do that now. I'm not even yeah. joking around. I mean, this is it's like these small things that are like, oh, Dewey is me. Especially me at his age. Like mm-hmm. I really see my own childhood in Dewey so much. It makes like, it, it next like they, they just keep they'll have more and more things where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, now it's kind of weird. Like now it's too much. Like <laughs> I don't okay. think, it sh- I don't think they should know this about me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like I that's the, sort of the point that Dewey is at, which is why he's sort of the character, like my triplet, because it's like, mm-hmm. how did they know I did that? <laughs> mm-hmm. But we're not completely there yet, but they're not, this is definitely another step there. Just overall, I, this episode I yeah, it made me so happy. Literally, I try to not say too much to you before we start recording, mm. but I literally couldn't shut <laughs> up about it because it made me so happy, it's a good so episode. excited. And yeah. I mean, like it very heavily features in the intro because this concept of the mummy is so integral to adventure stories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously. that's probably also like a, a cartoon trope that yeah. I'm not too much aware of because yeah. I. I Honestly, I mean, cartoons and mummies <laughs> just make sense together, right? It, it, it's <laughs> and Fer- I, I, mean, I think it's even in the title, like intro lyrics of Phineas and Fer- yeah, fighting a mummy. <laughs> it is <laughs> such in- so integral to adventure mm-hmm. stories, you know. Yeah, I think mummies are also one of these things that kids are way more worried about than like <laughs> do you know this tumblr post that yeah. goes like i was uh, thinking quicksand quicksand would be more of an issue <laughs> when growing up yeah and i think mummies is the same thing yeah because every cartoon kid, had yeah. an evil mummy yeah <laughs> yeah you're worried about mummies and mummies becoming real and having to fight mummies so of yeah. course <laughs> also everyone yeah. go watch the mummy 1999 oh yeah do yourself that favor mm-hmm. not really referenced here but I'll just tell you it's anyway. This is, I, I have a platform here, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. All right. Moving on to 110. The Terror of the Terra Fermians. Mm-hmm. We have another Lena episode. Yeah. I was so happy to see her again. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, like I said, Lena is one of the best written characters, like, in general to me in the mm-hmm. show. And... I now that I have to pay so much more attention, I find it so incredible to like see just how well and how like quickly I guess this sort of development happened. Like they they are now wasting a second giving us sort of Lena's story and Lena's motivation and everything. Mm-hmm. And that was really a moment for me where I like a really eye opening moment where I understood. A little better the medium of cartoons mm. because 
I'm I'm jumping ahead in the storyline here, but this mm-hmm. moment of when they're in the tunnels, um, and uh, Mrs. Beakley asks her who raised you, and she turns away, and you you see this look on her face. I for a second I could see how they would have done it in a like life action movie, um, but the way they framed it and like. Is it still called filmed it? I don't know. <laughs> like the animated way they presented it, yeah. it and animated it um, was so good and made me understand the medium of cartoons a little better. And I don't know. That was a cool moment both for for that and also for this character. Because like, who raised you? That's a question that, you know, <laughs> of course you'd ask a teen who is kind of rebellious and like annoyed and stupid. Like... Like trying not to um, cooperate in a really dire situation. Of course, she would be asked that, but you see immediately how that hits her in a different way than yeah. Mrs. Beakley intended. And yeah. I really like that one Mrs. Beakley gets to be like wrong. Like no character mm-hmm. in that case is perfect. They all have their flaws, and for Mrs. Yeah. Beakley, it's that she's very protective to the point of overprotectiveness, mm-hmm. where she lashes out against a teenager for being you know the way she is without considering like where this why she might be like this and you know and i mean in the end she learns like to you know be more open to lena and her ways but i really like that everyone gets you know to learn things Mm. and to grow and for lena what frank agonas has said that makes her character so like relevant and important is that this show is about family but they wanted to also show that there are abusive family situations mm. and that is sort of what Lena represents. Like she is sort of in this abusive family r- situation. And that is something that, you know, not a lot of kids shows like touching on because it's very mm-hmm. difficult to represent and, you know, very hard to make children understand well mm-hmm. and sort of tell a story that's not like, that's in- entertaining, but doesn't like mm-hmm. make light of a very serious issue. Yeah. And it, the fact that they have the supernatural element that Lena's aunt is literally magic is mm-hmm. it really helps n- n- not remove sort of the seriousness because in the context of the story, it's very serious that she has to like do the bidding of her magical aunt. But in sort of our real life context, obviously, that's not exactly how children would experience it, but it gives them sort of a story that can see themselves in and that they can mm-hmm. understand and relate to and gives other children not in those situations sort of introduces them to the concept that not for everyone family is the best place mm-hmm. there are there are people who will you know le- need to leave their family and who can't yeah. be safe with their family yeah and it's really so cleverly done yeah because this whole aspect of abuse and how the voice of your like abusive parent or someone like can start to live in your head and be ever present even when you're like out yeah. of earshot from them and to add this magical element to to it of no she is really being watched like every step she does um and is really being judged for everything she does yeah. by her um it's her aunt right mm. it's also her aunt, like not her mother it's very interesting all these family relationships and it, it comes down to aunts and uncles a lot <laughs> <laughs> true mm-hmm. or like grandmothers even like webby is not like her mother's and not in the picture her father's not there she's raised by her grandma 
Um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Didn't notice that before. That, yeah, parents are not Fuck really them. here. <laughs> <laughs> no, parents will yeah. become important. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. Lena is, I think, one of the most excellent characters in cartoons out there. They did so well with her story. And yeah, I just think it's really important to have stories like that in your cartoon as well and to like allow yourself to be, you know, tell some more serious um, stories as well. Mm-hmm. And just the way that they, they've they made, they did, did it perfectly that you know Lena is working for her, for Magica, mm-hmm. but she, that you like are supposed to like Lena and root for Lena. Like they mm-hmm. do it so well that you understand she really does like Webby. But she can't escape her mm-hmm. situation by herself. And, like she, she can't yeah. like be her full real self as long mm-hmm. as her aunt is like yeah. looming over her. Mm-hmm. Also, that she saves Mrs. Bigley, even though like she yeah. she says afterwards that she's playing the long game. But but of course, yeah. you know, she's just a teenager. She couldn't let that woman die. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like especially because she's important to her friend. Um, she has a very good way of like telling the telling the facts in a way that benefit her in this abusive mm-hmm. family yeah. relationship. But that, that's also the thing when you grow up being manipulated, you become mm-hmm. good at, you know, speaking that language. Like she yeah, knows exactly yes. what people need to hear to get mm-hmm. like something that she wants and yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's she's a very heartbreaking character and so well yeah also so exciting she's mm-hmm. so like of course we knew before that she can do magic like we saw a little <laughs> glimpse yeah. of it but she's so powerful yeah she moved that whole bus with yeah. her like that not that um that train card with her mind that, that that's Jedi, like that's Jedi stuff. That's... Yeah, I mean that is Magicka's magic, basically, mm-hmm. because um, currently Magicka is trapped in the amulet that Lena wears, oh, and okay. I just have to tell you this because otherwise some things. I mean, there are a lot of things I'm not telling you right now that are kind of relevant to this mechanic, but um, yeah, Ma- Ma- Magicka sort of Lena channels her magic when she does magic and because magic isn't powerful enough yet so she needs lena to help her get more powerful and like the Mm -hmm. whole you know details of that will come up later but like that is sort of why lena even can play this game of like oh this is how we get into this family Mm -hmm. while actually liking the family like this is sort of where this comes from magica wants Mm -hmm. her to actually like get in there because she needs this family for her magic Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's. I mean, there's. It's a more complicated mechanism that I'm making it out right now, and some people are maybe listening. Like, what? Why are you leaving this? I'm leaving it out because it's not happened yet, and I don't want to spoil. Yeah, it. I cannot wait. It's. I'm very intrigued by Nina and her whole. Yeah, her such. It's. Her it's deal. very interesting, but they managed mm-hmm. to make it in a way that it's not like so confusing that you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, mm-hmm. it's. It's a very. It's still. It's still a good yeah. show. You're supposed to be able to follow it like reasonably. Yeah. And yeah, she's a great character. Mm-hmm. I love her. Yeah, let's maybe jump back to the beginning. Sure. Because um, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure that I say everything that I want to say. Um, yeah, I loved the team up in this episode that it's uh, Huey and Webby and Lena. It's, I think they find such great ways to like uh, go through this uh, like 
these various combinations of mm. characters and how they interact with each other and what they would do together. Like, it makes sense that uh, uh, Webby teams up with Dewey to go look um, into this library and find out more about uh, the triplet's mother. And it makes sense, like, it makes so much sense <laughs> that Webby and Shui get into this argument over um, if uh, these underground creatures and the society of underground creatures is true or, like, is real or not. Yeah. Because it's not in the in the handbook, but it is in Webby's uh, notes, so of course it has to it has to be true. And then of course Lena goes along because she loves to to cause <laughs> chaos, yeah, <laughs> to cause chaos. And that was such a great team up. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. really like that this is it's a good Huey episode because you learn yeah. a lot about him and why he is the way he is, mm-hmm. and sort of that it's. You know, he has a lot of anxiety problems and the reason he cares so much about the mm-hmm. rules is partially because it helps alleviate his fears of the mm-hmm. unknown. And I think they yeah. did such a great job at showing that. I mean, I think some parts, like, there are, like... It's not... I, I think the air, most airtight episode where the sort of the result is, like, makes sense for what they were trying mm-hmm. to say... But I, I think they at least, you know, did a good job at communicating the characters. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Because I do feel like just based on the fact that um, Danny Pudi is voicing him mm. and um, like I, I had a feeling of I know this character already, but we didn't get to see much mm. of him yet. And so I just knew, like what my expectations were and I just knew what you told me so far mm. and now in the last episode and this one we really love the last two episodes in this one we really um, or I really get to know him yeah and this whole that he needs the rules um, to feel safe it get, really gets shown here especially that bit where he stays close to the light even though it's objectively more yeah. dangerous because like this this thing is going to collapse any moment but he's in a panic mode and what do you do when you're panicked you have to hold on to something that makes sense to you and these rules are you know what what guide him and um yeah i that was that was such a like good episode to give more depth to these characters especially Huey and Lena yeah, yeah. and then also the the comic relief of Launchpad in this episode. Oh so god, he's so good. <laughs> and then like how he like how he goes and counts on his fingers and like goes like, oh god, there's always been three of them. Yeah. <laughs> also, so I really funny. like this is um also the first time they really kick off another like that Dewey and Launchpad are best friends, and I think that is yeah. incredibly cute. And also another again, Dewey is me as a child because when I was Dewey's age I didn't have many peers as friends mm-hmm. I I had a much easier time getting along with adults and like because I was I was a weird child you know I, I read the news uh, watched news and quiz shows and read science books and like I couldn't talk to people my age very well sometimes mm-hmm. I mean there were things every child has in common but like when I talked to adults I felt like so much more understood as a child especially mm-hmm. at that age and yeah. um 
like seeing Dewey's best friend being an adult, as stupid as Launchpad might be. Yeah. That really, I like, like intergenerational friendships are very underrated, even though they're mm -hmm. very important. Um, and I, I really like the way they represent that. That like, because mm -hmm. their energy is like, Dewey isn't like the smart one of the triplets or anything, mm -hmm. but like he is far from Launchpad's level of himbo. And yeah. I, I just like that he sort of they match energies that's why they get along so well but like mm -hmm. he, Dewey kind of helps keep Launchpad like in sort of the realm of reality like yeah sort of remind him of facts and you know he's it I don't know it's just a really cute combination of characters and I really like mm -hmm. it and appreciate it and again yeah why why, why is Dewey me <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> it I thought that was very that that was like the whole plot of um, him thinking that Dewey was a mole person and then also starting to believe that he was a mole person yeah. because of course he's not a mole person but wait that's what a mole person would say. And, like, I really like that Dewey sort of one of the few people who know how to talk to Launchpad because yeah. most people are just like so bewildered by it, just how stupid this man is but Dewey's like yeah. no I can work with this and yeah. like that I, I just I don't know I love this chemistry and like these are things that like, they developed, like, as they were writing the show, where they realized, hey, these characters work super well together. Mm -hmm. And, like, Dewey and Launchpad are, like, this very unexpected pair-up mm -hmm. that really work incredible as the show continues. Yeah, yes. I, I cannot wait to see more of them. That makes me very happy to, to know that there's going to be more of that, yeah. because that was very good. Yeah, like, when Launchpad calls him his best friend, that was, like, like, it feels like a joke, but, like, it is really that. It really is their relationship. Yeah. I think that's so cute. This whole concept of the... What are they called again, these creatures? Terraformians. The Terraformians, yeah. I was wondering, is that something that's from, like, the old DuckTales lore? Yeah, that's... Because the, it really feels like that. That's an old Barks story that was also mm -hmm. adapted in the old DuckTales show. And sort of that was there homage mm -hmm. to that yeah it's a yeah. different i think it's a very different story originally like they changed mm -hmm. the story but like the 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 concept of these characters mm -hmm. is uh yeah referenced yeah yeah because like there's a also like this is this is not a new concept like you know this whole society <laughs> yeah. that lives underground <laughs> doctor who does an episode of that also um it does get into dangerous territories sometimes like for me in in the back of my mind um there was a little bit of an alarm bell because you know this whole um thought of we are controlled by a society that lives underneath yeah. and you know that not that the gets best into anti-semitic no. uh, yeah. <laughs> like uh, things very quickly but it, I thought it was fun um, the way they did it, or like not fun, but interesting that uh, they show you how quickly people start to believe anything, and sometimes um, on absolutely no basis. And um, they show the contrast between, you know, Webby who believes these wild things about the society that she doesn't know anything about, and like comes up with this whole lore even though there's no basis to it um and she ends up sort of being right but not really because we still don't know anything about yeah. these creatures by the end of it um and then we see in contrast um to that um launch pad who 
for no reason at all starts to believe that people around him are mole people. Yeah. And so I think they found a, a good balance to it, but I still think they wouldn't have come up with a concept like that now. Yeah. It felt like something yeah, that's already mean, existed yeah. and they try to, yeah. you know, Update redeem it, it yeah. or you make it make it work now. Yeah, also the little touch that the Terraformians also had wild theories about the creatures yeah. that live above and we know yes. they're not right. Like, we know uh-huh. that Huey isn't a prince and they're not his rebel force, so yeah. we can assume that Webby was probably also not right. Like, yes, that was a absolutely. very interesting touch here. That was good. And also I like that the, the Terraformians had the same colors. Yeah, that was a cute idea, yeah. Car, you know, <laughs> like the, the kids. That was cute, they, yeah. There was a blue one, a green one, uh, a pink one, <laughs> a gray one for Lena. That yeah. was very cool. So yeah, it was it was more to say it felt more like, you know, yeah, this this underground like culture exists apparently and they're more like us than we think they mm-hmm. are um but basically we know nothing about them and in the end it seems like you know maybe it's best like that <laughs> to go yeah. separate ways and maybe they come back and maybe they explore that more but uh yeah done ready uh no i have two more things oh okay but the the one was that i love the recurring joke of Louis with the popcorn and <laughs> yeah. they made it make sense that he does have popcorn in this and it was just not like you know yeah they get a refill like he got a refill they encouraged that <laughs> and then he just sits there this whole time as, as Huey and Webby are fighting over if this thing is real or not and yeah. what makes sense and all that um, and then one last thing is like Catherine Tate is in this <laughs> I, I'm so happy I didn't tell you witch. anything about the show because I get to witness you discovering it. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny because this is like if I had a nickel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time I watch the show for David Tennant and then Catherine Tate also shows up. Yeah. This is, I, I have yeah. three nickels, honestly, because yeah. I also, this also happened with the. Um, I know. Much ado yeah. um, version where <laughs> David Tennant is in. I, I knew that Catherine Tate was also in that, and I watched it for both of them. But still, yeah, she's she's he, Scrooge's uh, nemesis. It's fun. I, it's amazing. I love her so much, and I cannot wait to hear more of her. That's I I'm I'm already very thrilled because I didn't recognize her voice. I, I think actually Frank and Gonna said something about that on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just look at it real quick. What he wrote. Interesting side note. At this point, we had not yet cast Magica. Her lines were mm-hmm. tempted in as a whispery, cretch- scratchy, ghost-like voice until we could find someone and play to her strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we cast Catherine Tate, we knew how delightfully unhinged her performance would be, but we had to justify why she had initially spoken so little early on. Yeah, I think this might be the last episode where she is not yet cast. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. Okay, so after I'd have that, to check the we... cast list again. Yeah. Okay, I cannot wait to hear oh. more of her. Yeah. And what? Because I always do this. Uh, my favorite line deliveries, lines, mm-hmm. whatever made me laugh the most. Um, Webby's. Not everything is a methane gas leak. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and and also Louis. Um, when Webby and Huey like, you know, when 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 they eventually 
get on the same page he he does this like we really came together in the third act like yeah. sort of emphasizing that this was for him just entertainment like he wasn't even like part yes. of this he was just watching this and the delivery again and Bobby Minahan makes me laugh so much all the time Mm-hmm. That was amazing, and also it, I love the kind of meta, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, how how meta it was. Yeah. I love that. I think my favorite line was um, because I'm really like starting to to grow attached to to Huey. Um, I think maybe once I I've seen it, like more of it, Huey might be <laughs> yeah. my my guy it, when when. Um, I'm not sure, either Lena or Webby asks, um, how is this better than Subway Monsters, meaning like the rocks? Yeah. And and he, he just goes, well, my thing's real. Yeah. In general, like, he does incredible line deliveries that are even yeah. by me very underrated, even in this episode. Um, like, there was another one that I really liked the way he um, he said it. Um, I just had it. It immediately skipped. Um... Ah, right, when, when Webby is like, w- 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 when um, she's like convinced that that rock was like a terraformy and he's like, well, should we just go and investigate every rock in this tunnel? Actually, that doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> like, because yeah, he loves yes. rocks. Like, oh, so, yeah, that, that was, was such a cute good. delivery, too. Yeah. Actually, and then also, also that moment when he, um, when he uh, asks, for help with that rock sample and and where he goes well why don't you ask your stupid book and then he, he immediately goes and does that and finds a chapter on <laughs> on finding rock samples that was so good yeah i love that yeah okay yeah i think that's that's it for this episode okay it just the show just keeps getting better and better yeah, and it does it does all right then we've got episode 111 mcmystery at mcduck mcmanor Ah, hell yeah. I mean, this one is just... I didn't even really take many notes because this one's just a fun one. (laughs) Yeah, it is so fun. And it's like, um, you you see that it's gotten to a point where you've established certain characters and you can bring them back and you don't have to explain much um, about that. Um, And um, also, it's a murder mystery or like a vanishing room (laughs) mystery. And it's like a locked room mystery also. It's so many great things wrapped into one, and then you have, uh, yeah, I don't know. Suddenly, ghosts. Suddenly, uh, <laughs> suddenly, yeah. there's a ghost, and of a guy I did recognize. Yeah, like, uh, the, he's the, the butler. Yeah, he's... Duckworth is, and also yeah. it was really funny because Duckworth is like he is the butler in the original Ducktales. Like he is just their living, real butler, and people yeah. were when the show came out were like very disappointed that he's not yeah. in it we're like why isn't he like why, why was he re- like removed what, what what the fuck <laughs> and they just had to sit on that information that very much mm-hmm. that guy is going to be back as part of the yeah. show and that, uh, frank agonis wrote like a bunch of stuff about like how this came to be like why did they turn the butler into a ghost and like it, it was really like it, it basically boiled down to like they imagine like this family portrait and they didn't want it to just be like 
this guy and like his nephews and his butler and like it was way more interesting to have like a family portrait of this guy with his nephews and then like his housekeeper is a spy his butler is a ghost and mm-hmm. like he has a crazy inventor who always t- like who tags along like they they try to come up with ways to like make it like make it yeah make sense and make it interesting mm-hmm. and like justify why scrooge mcduck like what kind of people with scrooge mcduck surround himself with mm-hmm. it's not simple and boring people it's like completely like the wildest stuff you can think of mm-hmm. including a ghost butler yeah and i cannot wait um to to see more of that because yeah, it's like he's great. uh they didn't just do it as a gimmick i guess mm-hmm. i i really hope he's staying around yeah, he does. because i can already imagine the banter between him and mrs speaker yeah it's gonna be so yeah. fun it is, yeah. yeah. It's uh, he's he he was. It's, it's a great idea to make him into a ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, rep Duckworth, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a way, he, you know, I I recognized him. Like I said, I knew that he was like like that. He was already there in the previous Ducktales. Um, didn't remember much about him, but you don't really feel sad that he's dead I guess or I didn't because well he's immediately back and he's better because he has cool demon ghost powers now and he's still sassy I mean yeah that was the whole point like how do we make this more interesting and fun and make more sense for the story and that was a perfect idea I think yeah that was great and then also there was so many uh, good gags in this one like I said they brought back characters um that uh, by now I recognize like Mark Beats is back um, for the first time in his silly little suit, like a uh, coat jacket. He's not That's... even good at wearing a mask. He, like, no, he doesn't even, like... like, even Glomgold has a costume, and this guy just yeah. put on a high collar and like these weird glasses, like, what well, I don't yeah, know what they're you, called, you, party you, glasses. You recognize him, and of course, he's holding his fo- phone the whole time. <laughs> So of course it's him, but even um, uh, when the, every time the the camera pans around the room and you see like all these different people at this party, I I thought, wait, why is Ma Beagle here? <laughs> what's what's she doing here? That's her in that costume, right? And I was right, and you know you get, you know, of course they're not trying to hide it well, but you yeah. you get rewarded for noticing these little things by now because you. Like, they established these characters, and you're supposed to notice that they're yeah. here. And, like, we so. actually uh, get the um, introduced to the reason Ma Beagle is, like, after Scrooge, which isn't just, mm-hmm. oh, he's rich and she wants his money. It's yeah. uh, this sort of backstory that allegedly he stole the deed to the town from yeah. her father. Like, it's really, it's really interesting. It does become a whole thing later on. But I, I really like the way they always slip these like big plot points in in yeah. like, really satisfying ways. And it's interesting because it does get mentioned that like her ancestors stole the deed to the town from these good working people. Um, but then they don't really talk about how like when he stole it and then um, Scrooge also stole it. That's also maybe not a good thing that this one very rich guy owns a whole town. It does get, <laughs> it does get talked about as the show goes on a little bit. Yeah. Like this this whole idea does come up a mm-hmm. bunch. 
because it's like it is a choice to have in times like ours now um a character like scrooge mcduck who is of course um you know his name is scrooge so we know that it's kind of a thing that he has a lot of money and he's not like a people person per se <laughs> um but yeah i'm i am interested in how they're gonna like address this more or if um and when um they will bring up that this guy who's a kind of sympathetic hero is also uh <laughs> you know a millionaire enjoy the show i mean you will enjoy the show i mean he's still obviously he's the main character like kind of the one of the main characters yeah. and everything like he's always going to be your protagonist and your hero but like yeah they they uh, they actually talk about this. So have yeah. fun. Enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that was good. And then also that a lot of great uh, little gags. There's so many one. gags. Yeah. Like the, the Daft Punk yeah. one. <laughs> what, what, what is his DJ name again? Uh, uh, D- um, wait. Give me a second. Um, wait, DJ I just Daft had Duck. it. DJ Daft no. Duck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That was so funny. Like the running gag. Like when when people start asking him like normal questions and he responds with this oh yeah oh no like the sound yeah. bites that he has and like mm-hmm. it's the, the gag works so well where like louis is like you can't take the helmet off can you oh no like it's such <laughs> a good joke yeah <laughs> every time that was that was brilliant that was funny and and then also um this is another <laughs> note that i took that I also mentioned earlier that I do enjoy that it gets very obvious how um, autistic Huey is, mm. uh, but not in the stereotypical way that yeah. so many movies and TV shows did before. Like he does make lists and he does want everything to be perfect. And he has um, a one minute bathroom break planned in, uh, in his tight schedule, but we all have to adhere to it because after the bathroom break, we're scheduled to have fun, <laughs> you know, that they do that and they make it somehow funny, but also endearing, but they don't go the, the route of stereotypical. Oh, he's also good at solving mysteries, but <laughs> he, he kind of isn't. <laughs> also the guest list running gag. It's so funny. Why would you <laughs> yeah. put me in charge of the guest? <laughs> you gave me one hour. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Also, it's kind of a bottle episode, as much as animation does bottle episodes. And Frank Gonos has talked about how bottle episodes are like kind of difficult, um, mm-hmm. because they you think, oh yeah, uh, bottle episodes were introduced because it's easy for TV shows to be like in one spot and like not have any time jumps or anything, but it turns out for animation it's way more complicated. <laughs> okay, interesting. But worked out well. Yeah. It, Mm-hmm. it's great it's such a fun episode and like yeah. you get like all these villains in like one place where you mm-hmm. like get this overview and this idea of sort of why why what they all have against this dude like i said you get you get to a point where um this show has established a whole bunch of people and has established some like basic lore mm. but still even in an episode where you bring all these together and have all this established stuff they managed to bring a, like bring in more lore and more like new characters in a way like that Duckworth is back. I also think it's very funny that this guy is called Duckworth and he's not a duck. <laughs> like he's some kind of he's dog, a dog, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. I never thought about that. 
<laughs> it's just you know it runs with the theme. <laughs> Adopt it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Also, yeah. speaking of, I like the dog designs in the show. I said this last episode, mm -hmm. but uh, Nick Nocturne, for example, the Black Arts yeah. Beagle, his character design yeah. is absolutely incredible. I love it so much. So it's cool. so pleasing to look at. Yeah. He, he is also, like, a very fun character in a yeah. way that, you know, he's he's a villain who's bad at being a yeah. villain. And I enjoy those so much. Yeah. And then he also has this very cool aesthetic going on that's very important for a good villain, and he knows that, <laughs> and he fully commits to it. And then how he goes like, "Oh, I wanted to prove to my mother that the like <laughs> the magic school wasn't a complete uh, waste of money." Yeah, that was He's good. That was really good. Also, yeah. one of my favorite jokes is in this where Huey like holds the phone with the Mark Beek's phone with like the evidence photo mm -hmm. and he looks at it and like you get this shot like this low angle shot of him holding the phone and he says enhance and for a second you like like you don't immediately register what what's mm -hmm. happening and he goes enhance and then Louis comes in and like makes like zooms yeah. in on the picture and it's one of the funniest visual gags in this show to me like because for uh -huh. a second you're not sure what's happening like because you know this gag from like crime shows that they always enhance mm. pictures and they become impossibly high definition yeah <laughs> just the joke that louis that has to zoom in because for some reason huey doesn't do it like he said enhance yeah. so this has to happen by itself like it does in the mm -hmm. show it's such a good gag I mean, you would maybe expect it from a phone of a guy like <laughs> like Mark Beeks yeah. that he has also a phone the, that can the, do that. Also, the face with which he zooms is like, oh, fucking Christ, do it yourself. <laughs> like, oh, God, I can't stand yeah. you sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I love them. I, I, I love that they have such a sibling dynamic yeah. going sometimes. All right, moving on to 112, The Missing Links of Moorshire. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's very good that you wrote down the episode titles this time because I planned on and then I forgot. I forgot it last time, but this time I remembered. Mm -hmm. Very good. No, but yeah, my the first note I took for this one was like, um, can't wait um, to see how they'll make golf exciting and uh, like, I'll, like, <laughs> you know, the thing they do yeah. where they take a thing and then they completely derail it somehow and th they did not disappoint. <laughs> yeah, Nefringer Gona said that the studio was said to them they need a sports episode and they were like mm -hmm. well then we picked the sport that we figured all kids love so much which is golf <laughs> <laughs> they were really so funny for it the lampshading is great absolutely hilarious um how i don't know how everybody like how all the kids reacted to it and that was yeah excellent that was very good I mean, the running gag of Huey and Launchpad doing the sports commentary absolutely took yeah. every single time it made me laugh so hard. It was such especially, a good running gag. Especially the fact that they still took the, the front half of the <laughs> of the golf cart with them. Like <laughs> It's just so such yeah, good gags there. That was their setup, so of course they had to take it with them. Like Launchpad knows what's up. <laughs> so funny. And like I think this episode has perhaps it's one of the ones with the best soundtrack to me mm -hmm. like it always stands out to me when i watch this episode how good the music is i mean it mm -hmm. might just be my personal like affinity for like 
like Celtic Scottish music mm. and bagpipes and stuff, but like that slapped. Like I, I'm so sad they never published like an actual soundtrack for the show because I would listen to this these tracks. Mm. Unironically. I, yeah, I didn't pay attention to yeah. it this time. I was so wrapped up in everything else because so much was happening there. Like, like especially during the the montage, mm-hmm. that that music fucks. Like it's so yeah. good. Maybe I'll go back and listen to that again. But no, I really liked, like I said, how the the uh, triplets react different differently to the setting. Like I was so surprised that. For some reason, Dewey really gets into gold, and it's yeah, like, but it. I was, was so also good. at first like a little unsure about that choice, but when they like explained that to him, it's more like, oh, so this is like our family is famous for it, and I could become mm-hmm. like, like, like a famous golfer because that's you know in our like family history or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 is interested in golf for all the wrong reasons. And yeah. I think that's a very good touch, especially for Dewey to like establish that, you know, he's also like good at it because Dewey is like just the kind of person who lucks out all the time. Like he just happens mm-hmm. to be good despite being technically really bad at it. Yeah. Yes. And I just I love the way that they made it work that Dewey would be interested in the sport, but not for the reason someone should be interested in yeah. the sport. Yes, that was so good. That was it was surprising. And it was fun and really, really well done. Because, like, after all, like, the, the reason I um, latched onto him at first was because he's the guy who cares about the family stuff. Mm. And this is the yeah. family stuff. Yeah. You know, he finds out that apparently one of his ancestors invented the sport and then immediately got it banned <laughs> in yeah. Scotland. Was That was interesting to him, of course. And then, yeah, he kind of is bad at it, but also not because he's just really so lucky. Yeah, he, yeah I, I love that. And then, of course, Louis, who only participates because um, he gets money for it and he is a caddy, but not for his oh. uncle, but for the enemy of his uncle. And I also like that nobody so cares. Good. Like, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like it makes a yeah. difference. Yeah, it's a, that's just Louis. You know. <laughs> Normal is also like such a like he's so non-threatening to them that they don't even care. Yeah, yeah, and also um, in in terms of uh, you know jokes uh, that they do this episode, I loved the the uh, the bit where this professional golfer comes in and he's a tiger, and I personally know just enough about golfing that to know that <laughs> Tiger Woods is a thing <laughs> and that yeah. he's a really good golfer. Yeah, it's a good gag. It's a good gag. And, I, and, I wrote that he, down too. <laughs> you know, he comes in and, and he, oh my god, why did they, like, animate him to be so attractive? That was so <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> but then they don't go anywhere with him. He just leaves again. <laughs> yeah, it's a that Tiger Woods so, joke. Nailed it. So funny. It's a good joke. Yeah, absolutely. Um. <laughs> One thing I have to say, um, even though I like the idea of, you know, this is like this Scottish setting, so they are including Kelpies. Uh, like, uh, it was a good idea, but I don't like them. Yeah, they're End a of sentence. Weird, right? Okay, I didn't... Also strangely animated, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I felt like they yeah. felt kind of out of place in this episode, and I feel like, yes, they were necessary in the sense that the exposition needed to come from somewhere mm-hmm. but i feel like it didn't they didn't fit into this yeah. world 
like it's i don't know why to me that it always not ruined the episode but it was always where i was like it would have been better if they weren't there i think (laughs) to me it almost felt like it was a reference to something that i didn't get like um i don't know they're kind of the vibe kind of like i expected more like fairies because it's like a circle in a forest with stones around him i i thought Mm. there was gonna be fairies you know yeah exactly Um, so so i somehow expected them to turn into different kind of creatures at some point. I mean, because they were like, they really look out of place with yeah. their pink and purple in this green forest setting. Um, like, but yeah. I think it would have already helped if they had chosen a different design for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Galpies are sort of a, you know, a mythical creature that mm-hmm. has like general concepts of what they look like and this is not close yeah like they are my little no. pony ponies not kelpies yes. that's <laughs> what i, I thought it was i guess that was kind yeah. of the joke i suppose but mm-hmm. it didn't work for me nah. at all unfortunately like, I understand that. it always took me out of the episode when they appeared also that they wear the hat i forgot what they're called the, the scottish hats yeah I don't know right why they had to do that <laughs> nothing about these characters spoke to me in mm-hmm. in any particular way and that was kind of sad because they could have made it work, but mm-hmm. I didn't like the choice they made there. Yeah. See, I was not bothered that much by them because every time they weren't on screen, I really didn't think about them Yeah, exactly. Them at all. You don't think about them at all. And then they're there and you're like, <sighs> could have used that time for something else. <laughs> yeah, but the, the the bit that made it funny for me was, I don't know who says it. And maybe, maybe it's Louis. Um when when they first show up and oh. um, somebody goes, oh no, did we die? No, Are I wrote we in that Webby down heaven? too, yeah. I wrote that down. Are we in Webby heaven? <laughs> that was yeah, Dewey, that was, yeah. I wrote that, was that down too. Okay, I wasn't sure. That was also my favorite yeah. line, yeah. That was, um, that was really we good. In, like, he's so so upset about it too. Are we in yeah. Webby heaven? <laughs> How did uh, yeah. we get here? <laughs> that was That was very good. I also really like, and that's also something Frank Agona said, is that, you know, this is another one of those where Scrooge, like, has to learn something. Like, he's mm-hmm. not all-knowing and all-perfect. He, like, yeah. realizes that, you know, he... Not everything is going to work out the way that he thinks, and, like, mm-hmm. trying to mentor Dewey didn't work out the way mm-hmm. he wanted, and, you know, he had to learn to, like, embrace that and accept that. Yeah. I really expected a lesson like that, to be honest, in the um, in the casino episode, because he like absolutely um, like with with such certainty goes, oh yeah, I can defeat this demon of luck and good fortune just by like by being me. Yeah, um, that that's and... sort of an underlying theme in the show. Mm-hmm. The because I'm Scrooge McDuck. And yeah. that is kind of a mechanic that the show relies on, that Scrooge is, like, really good at adventuring and mm-hmm. really good at solving things. He's smarter than smart. He's tougher mm-hmm. than the toughies. And I forgot the third one. Okay. Wait. But, yeah. No, it's He's... important. That has to be three. Okay. I forgot the third one. How did I forget oh, it? This well. is, they say this so much in the show. But yeah, okay. it's sort of, they have to establish as a baseline that Scrooge is really good at this. So then mm-hmm. they can like add the element of, but not at everything. There are things yeah. he's wrong about. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, part of life, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess in the casino episode, um, when they, 
you know, when he says, oh yeah, I can totally defeat this guy, I, they, first of all, they don't show how he would have done that because he never gets to play. It's Donald who gets to play. <laughs> True. And then in the end, it's not even, even brought up anymore. Like, um, they could have addressed this again in some way that, you know, maybe he had a way out of this. Maybe he had a way to trip trick this yeah i mean a, a little a little bit they did it with like scrooge thinking of this leaving donald there like tricking the demon mm -hmm. into let keeping donald because he knew that donald's bad luck would mm -hmm. immediately drain him yeah like that is one of those moments where like oh okay so he like understands like he gets yeah. like, he knows what he's doing yeah but i guess what i'm trying to say is that i wish um he would have learned some lesson there also because yeah. he was not right he he like he did not um like he wasn't able to defeat this powerful demon god um because this god already tricked and played him by saying okay but it's my rules and i get to choose the um the people who get to play and mm -hmm. it's not you um, so yeah, maybe I w had like wished for a lesson that that Scrooge learns there. But I mean, he did worry. learn. He learns a lot of lessons like, yeah. in the show. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he learns one in this one, so yeah. I guess. Don't worry about I... it. <laughs> yeah. Also, the joke at the end where Launchpad chokes on the golf balls um, was apparently Frank Gonna said very controversial in the writers' room because some okay. people said it's just too stupid even for him. So this is the cutoff joke. Like they couldn't okay. make a joke where Launchpad was stupider than this. Mm -hmm. Like this was the height of stupidity for him apparently. Like this was the cutoff line for Launchpad okay, jokes. Okay, okay, I see, I see. I thought it was really good. <laughs> that was funny, yeah, especially because he goes like, they look so delicious. I, like, I've been it, uh, holding back this whole time. <laughs> and it makes so much sense. Like he's such a food motivated character apparently. Yeah. Like it makes so much sense that he would. This would happen to him, considering mm -hmm. he's the stupid. Yeah, I like is. it. It's a good joke. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Yeah, I thought like for a moment I thought you were gonna say they didn't want to put it in there because they were afraid that kids would try to eat golf balls. No, but that is something that I've been thinking about watching this show because there is sort of this rule in kids media that kids can do dangerous things, but they mm -hmm. cannot be things that are recreatable by children in real life. Mm -hmm. So it's like these kids go on impossible adventures and they can't like be inspired by this to do the same because this yeah. doesn't exist. However, in this show, I feel like they do a lot of like little things that would greatly be discouraged for children to copy. Like for mm -hmm. example, jumping on the tracks and walking into a subway tunnel is something yeah. that I would not expect a Disney show to show as a fun yeah. thing. And, like they do show it as a bad dangerous thing and in the end they crash and mm -hmm. everything. But it's like these little things where I'm like, how do they decide what's like too real mm -hmm. and like could potentially animate children to copy and what's like mm -hmm. far removed enough from reality? I never like yeah. DuckTales makes me think about this the most because I feel like a lot of the things the kids do are like very much recreatable by children in real life if they were felt yeah. inspired. Mm hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Also, because I forgot to say it earlier, but the shot in the in the um, Terraformians episode where the 
train crashes and there's this mm -hmm. shot of the crash train is such a beautiful shot like yeah. it really got me this episode like wow it's so pretty like they did so mm -hmm. like the art is just wow mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's i didn't have this big moment like i did in the first nina episode where uh, when we were sitting on the beach and um and the the waves were in this purple and orange that was the moment for me where i was like oh my god this show is so beautiful but it's underlying in the whole thing that i really i really like looking at this show and i think they're doing such a great job with that and yeah 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 i think we made it through all of the yeah. episodes right? we made it through the next batch of episodes Dang. we did it yeah so because we're at the end of this uh -huh. then just going over my what will become mm -hmm. my usual questions um favorite character has this changed yeah i th i think a little bit huey is becoming yeah, my favorite i expected that yeah. i expected that to happen and i, I promise <laughs> you season three will absolutely take you like by the neck and like just grip you there like yeah enjoy enjoy huey nice <laughs> Yeah, and and also, I mean, I said this before. I'm really, really happy to have Lena back and oh. to see more of her story. And I cannot wait to see what else she's going to get into. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, yeah. they they haven't introduced any of the other of my favorite characters yet, so it's still mm -hmm. Dewey for me. Yeah, oh I'm not surprised. Also, Dewey is great, but I think with like the first six episodes. He gets a little more screen time, mm -hmm. um, and in these six months, I mean, the he had highlights like like in the Mark Deeks episode, but like like I said, he made me cry. I still have a place in my heart for him, but I'm just very happy to get to know Huey now, yeah. and I really think Huey might be my guy. <laughs> That's not what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I don't think I have to ask this question because I know the answer, but which was your favorite episode of these? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mummies one. The mummies but one, like, yeah, I, yeah, no. Like I said, <laughs> all of them, like, except for the casino episode, yeah. which I already explained why that was my favorite, but um, it, I just had a feeling of this keeps getting better and better every single episode. They, like, do so much... In, in just 20 minutes they really yeah, blow my mind <laughs> i know and it just keeps going like this like I, w I was looking at like the upcoming episodes and i was like they fit so much stuff in these tiny episodes i don't know how they do it yeah um, that's a challenge yeah um theories anything uh, um Wait, we we didn't get that much more lore about the whole Della Duck thing, so I'm really excited, like I said, yeah. uh, for the upcoming episode because the, that uh, references, like the title references the Spear of Selene, I think. Yeah. And that's the thing that in the note Della left uh, Scrooge um, is said that she took that from him, apparently. Um... But yeah, I still don't have any more um, theories on that because, like I said, we didn't get much more. At least not that I'm aware of. Maybe there was some, like, background drops. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else? But, yeah, but for for Lena, um, I mean, it's, it's becoming clear, like you also said, that this relationship she has with her aunt is not very good. Like, it's a very controlling one. 
um and she's she like clearly has her doubts about all of it and she's clearly aware that there's something not good about it like the way she reacted to who raised you um to that question is yeah she's she's not in a good place right now and she's kind of aware um of it i think and um I'm not sure how much she's aware right now um, of how, like, this whole plan her aunt apparently has um, is not going well because she's really, really getting attached to these kids. Um, and I'm not sure how much she knows it yet. But, um, yeah, I cannot wait to see more of Very that. Very good. Very good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, what animals would we be? Would you be? Huh. Any thoughts on that? Any new thoughts? Yeah, Having I thought, seen more animals I, now. I thought a lot more about that. Um, and really, I still think I would be in the bird family. <laughs> I good, still good. think I, I wouldn't move too far away from that. Um, but yeah, I like if I could be a chicken in the way that Gyro is a chicken. You can, um, you can be yeah, anything. I, I, I think I could be that. In the way Gyro is a chicken. Yeah, because he's not a, like a typical cartoon chicken. Like even a anthropo like I cannot talk anymore right now. Sorry. I, I know what you like, mean. Like a, a, a humanoid chicken. <laughs> um, I mean, it is interesting that he isn't a rooster, isn't it? It is. Oh, oh. I mean, the I, show I in general struggles <laughs> a little bit with the. I mean, maybe intentionally or not, but like with like sexual dysmorphism in these animals, mm -hmm. like they get it wrong sometimes, but at the same time, it's like, oh, did they? Yeah, <laughs> did maybe they that's on wrong? purpose. Or is maybe maybe he's just a trans. Maybe guy. he's just trans. Yeah, I like that. I want to be a trans chicken. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I just yeah, I remember that was like a theory in the fandom. Like, why why is he a chicken and not a rooster? <laughs> uh huh. Interesting. Oh yeah, I vibe with that. And I think that comes up a couple of times with these, um, with mm -hmm. animals and especially birds. Obviously, birds yeah. are very complicated creatures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's because when you go into cartoons and like animal cartoons where the animals are kind of the humans of this world, and they kind of are because you see that there's like birdie birds in this universe as well. You know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the whole thing, uh, like from a first shot of that of that show um yeah you always wonder like do the animals represent something like is there any meaning behind who is what kind of animal and in this uh, like in ducktales particularly i have this feeling that there's nothing like that that like they don't symbolize something they don't symbolize hierarchies or anything and that's very pleasant um, but that also makes it very difficult to answer the question, what kind of animal would you be? Because it's really like, if yeah. there's no rules, what do I, I base mean, it on? In a, in a way, it is like asking you for your first sona, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's so, like yeah. The, it's, but yeah, I mean, a, a DuckTales sona is still, you know, very specific kind of yeah. self-insert character. Uh -huh. But um, yeah, I mean, the only thing that, you know, matters is like relationships, like that the beagles are all like related like they're all ma beagles kids and you know that duck family are all ducks like that's the only sort of thing that this is used for that you know showing who's related to whom yeah yeah 
but it's still interesting because like of course they could go like oh yeah um, the dogs are you know the natural yeah, enemies um, yeah i think of, that is really the cool that they don't they hunt them they don't do that at all they don't do that no and then also like you have good dogs because like the, the like duckworth like is also a dog it's not like all the dogs are bad it's just the beagle family <laughs> yeah also, I didn't mention this earlier, but Mark Beaks is an African grey parrot, which uh -huh. is a wild... I've, I don't know if it was on purpose, because they are not South African, but like Elon Musk is from South Africa, so oh, okay. choosing an African grey parrot felt like feels like very on purpose. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but it feels very on purpose, even though mm -hmm. they're not South African birds, but like, you know, you have your limits when you... Mm -hmm. create an animated show um i was wondering about the animals in the the pyramid like uh, one of them looked kind of like a falcon like these uh yeah some like the the what? the one who controlled the the god puppet he looked like uh, kind of like falcon that oh yeah he, he's a he's i think he's know. a falcon yeah yeah that you know that's something that you would expect in um you know this setting but others like other animals there didn't really like the, I think... the woman is she supposed to be a, a rabbit or no she's a, a she's, she's a kind of like a lot of them i think they are either falcons or this like you know like like the anubis like that breed oh, of dog or thought... not okay. dog uh, jackal oh okay okay yeah, i, I think as the same way that they cast like people from those places they also try to i don't think they do it like a hundred percent fit or anything but like they they try to like make mm -hmm. the animals native to these places as well i don't think it's always like an airtight choice mm, but like here okay. we have the falcons and these but yeah, I get that now. I, I didn't get it when I watched it. But yeah, there is a visual reference yeah. to that place. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think we covered it all, all these episodes for today. Um, going to continue with the next six, seven episodes next time. We'll see. Um, so thank you all for listening. Um, and we also want to thank Mikuno Salome on Tumblr for our um, great cover art. And um, if you want to talk to us, you can find us on um, Tumblr and TikTok at GTSY Podcast, or find us on Twitter at Crimcast, or you can still send us an email um, at Crimcast at gmail.com. And I didn't even listen. I held back so much not mentioning Vincent Price this episode. Now I regret it. Hey, why? <laughs> because I love Vincent Price and I want everyone to like him. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>